your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Donald Trump coming to town in a couple of days. If you haven't heard yet, go get your tickets. Go to wisdomnews.com. RSVP. There's a link there. Look for look for the picture of Donald Trump at uh, the Lacrosse Center from back in 2016 when he was running for president. Maybe he'll come on on Monday to uh, no. <laughs> Doctor Anthony Chergoski is going to join me here in a couple of minutes. We'll talk about that Trump coming to town. Talk about the debate yesterday. Did you watch the debate? It was really hard to watch the debate. Being that there was NFL on, kind of a crappy game though, so I was switching back and forth. But then I saw Seinfeld was on at one point. It was a good episode too, so it was hard to to really stay focused on any one thing. There's a lot of commercials on those other shows though, so you know, I could I could hit hit the debate for four minutes at a time, only to hear ridiculous old men bickering at each other. <laughs> They did. They they kind of got into some of the issues, right? Like some of the issues, and then also we got to worry about. We're really worried about Hunter Biden. <laughs> Everybody so worried about him, or just Donald Trump. It's a really weird situation to be in. Not situation to be in, but just a really weird like place that we're at, where where that's the thing that we're going to worry about the whole time. It's not like Donald Trump's children and other people's children and government are running rampant, doing things that are, you know, yeah, maybe we maybe we should just uh, get rid of all the nepotism. Like we could do that, right? Do we really need any any of our children when we're in the government to be working in the government? At least Hunter Biden's kid was, or Joe Biden's kid was in some other government. But. Uh, you could read you could read memes all about it. I was reading memes today. Bill Barr's daughter works at the Treasury to protect Trump's tax returns and loans at Do- Deutsche Bank. Rudy Giuliani's son gets ninety thousand seven hundred dollars to be the White House sports liaison with no experience. And then this very vague one from a meme: Ivanka and Jared, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner use the White House as a three hundred fifty-eight million dollar bonanza. Not really sure the bonanza like the restaurant. So, <laughs> but we could, we could talk to Chugoski about that too, if nothing else, about how that's just a distraction on all the actual issues that, you know, people care about. I think healthcare is the big one. We talked about healthcare a little bit yesterday. That COVID thing is, you know, it's part of that. Definitely a big part of that. A lot of testing sites going up uh, in the area to to, uh, to manage COVID. We had another death today, too, if you didn't know. It's the 20th death of a LaCrosse County resident due to COVID-19 in the past, in the 10th, in the past two weeks, which is unfortunate. Um, and we're seeing a lot of those come out of healthcare facilities, senior healthcare, senior living facilities, I'm sorry. And uh, if you didn't see, there's a Washington Post story that highlights how LaCrosse is going through this pandemic the last month or so, starting with universities. Tim Cabot is the, not the focus, but like the the lead in that story. They start with Tim Cabot, I believe, if I remember right. 
which is kind of interesting because Tim Cabot has now been front and center on CNN because of the Trump rally. He's been front and center on Fox before that. And he's been on Wisdom News. And now the Washington Post, right? <laughs> what? Wisdom News? Uh, in in various ways. The Trump, Trump coming to town, too, is going to be at the Lacrosse Speedway, which is kind of interesting because if you remember back in in early October when Trump was originally coming and then it got canceled, Colgan Air canceled that rally at the Lacrosse Airport for reasons that had to do with breach a breach of contract with the city, a possible breach of contract. And Bill Fian came on and, t- and talked about uh, Bill Fian, the Lacrosse County Republican Party chair, came on and said that they tried the Trump campaign tried to get it at five different venues after that. Bill Fian here. What I was told by my contact in the Trump campaign is that they proposed five different venues and they were told in all five situations that it would not be allowed. One of those venues was the Lacrosse Speedway and would not be allowed. So that's that's what happened there. So I wonder if uh, the county will fight this at all a couple days out and and uh it is a county property I believe. So it's the fairgrounds, right? So we'll see. Um all right, I'm going to I'm going to take a break. I want to get Chergoski in here so we're going to get Brad to do the news and we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone now with me, Lacrosse, Lacrosse, UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tragoski. He's all over the state doing Zoom meetings with all kinds of out- media outlets. Do you? How big is your head get, Tragoski, when all these uh, media outlets want to talk to you? Hey, I, I, you know, you've made it, Rick. When you do Madison TV, which was what I was doing this morning, I'll have you now. You know you've made it when you do Madison TV followed by Wisdom News in the afternoon. That's what you meant to say. Exactly. I mean, that's like the <laughs> pinnacle of any political scientist's career. I know I know. Mayor Tim Cabot's on CNN and Fox and the Washington Post, and they got a little picture of him sitting in front of uh, the City Hall kind of awkwardly. But also, Cabot's on here at least once a month on Wisdom. I did see that report in the Washington Post, Rick, and I totally shared Tim Cabot's perspective. I mean, like, you had to look at those packed bars and restaurants back in early August, uh, September, and just have this, like, oh, crap feeling. Like, so, like, I totally get where he's coming from there. And uh, that article, not such a good look for the lacrosse area, I would have to say. Yeah, and but what are you going to do, right? Like this is that's that's kind of the attitude we have here is uh, we're we're gonna, we need to open up. I'm, it's such a funny it's such a funny concept when people keep saying that we need to open up. We are open. Like we 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 need to close down if anything. Yeah, you know, talking about we need to open up. Well, the safer at home order was struck down by the Supreme Court how many months ago, and. You know, when you think about that, and Rick, to your point, like, what could we have done? I mean, 
it's the article's pretty critical of UW lacrosse, but if I could just defend my own institution, I mean, there's not much that we could have done about those packed bars and packed restaurants. I mean, the school can't order them to shut down. The school can't order the people there to wear masks. So it's just a really comprehensive failure, I think, by a lot of people involved. And yeah, that was a pretty, I would say, damaging story by the Washington Post about lacrosse. Well, you know, if it's a damaging story about your institution, you know what you do, Tregoski? Just call what? it fake. Just call it fake news. Fake news. Fake. Fake yeah, news. yeah, fake news. Low, low subscription numbers. Failing Washington Post. Yeah, is it that it, it? What what does he give the Washington Amazon owned Bezos Washington Post? <laughs> Something like yeah. that. Um. All right. So you know, some other obviously the the news of the day is is no longer that we've suffered our tenth death from COVID nineteen of a Lacrosse County resident in the past two weeks, twentieth overall. But uh, Donald Trump is coming to town on top of that. So it's kind of a weird like, hey, this is this is one thing is happening. Also, let's go let's go meet in mass at the Lacrosse County Fairground Speedway and uh, and and listen to Donald Trump talk for for probably what hour and a half. It's going to be cold out. So I don't know if he's going to he, he didn't handle where was he in Ohio or or Pennsylvania. He didn't handle that very well. He even said I didn't even I didn't even want to be here. I didn't have to be here, but then, but then I handled the pandemic so badly that I had to come campaign. Oh yeah, he mentioned that in Erie, Pennsylvania, saying like I don't even think I should have had to come to Erie, Pennsylvania, but this race is closer than I had hoped. And and Rick, you know, to your point that you made before the break, like I'm going to be really curious to hear what the county's reaction is to this event because what do we know about these events? Well. They're outside, sure, but they also feature minimal social distancing and very few people wearing masks at the very time when the situation in lacrosse, the situation in the entire state of Wisconsin is not good. Plus, President Trump is even making a stop in Wisconsin before then. He's stopping in Waukesha this weekend. So he's going to be making a couple of stops in Wisconsin, and I just wonder, Rick, how those images are going to play with the public, those images that we will certainly see of crowds packed together with not many people wearing a mask. What is the public reaction to that going to be? I don't think it'll be particularly favorable. Well, the the not many people wearing masks, except for all the people that are sitting, if they are people sitting behind Donald Trump, who are given like Pretty cool masks if you're a Trump supporter. They always get, like, the coolest masks. And then all those people behind Donald Trump are wearing masks, which is always kind of a funny sight. Well, and that shows you how the Trump campaign views the politics of masks. Like, the people by and large, support masks. And so the people who are behind President Trump in direct view of the camera are always given masks so that when you're watching the highlights, you have the impression that the audience is wearing masks, even though if you pan the crowd, most are not wearing masks. And so it's meant to give kind of a misleading perception, I would say, of the audience. And it's meant to, I I believe, it's very much in line with the politics of masks. I mean, it's it's a total concession by the Trump campaign that they know that the politics of masks are that people favor them and that they have to at least do some kind of a nod to that 
public opinion, even if it's kind of superficial. Is it the is he is he just in too deep in in not wearing a mask, or is it just the pride thing? Because it would be really easy to okay, I'm coming to West Salem. It's an outdoor venue. I don't have honestly, I don't have a whole lot of problems with people gathering outdoors. When you we, and you easily could do this pretty safe, and I, I don't know how it's going to be set up, but there's bleachers out there. If you do it on the racetrack, you all sit in the racetrack, maybe you know social distance, kind of like at these NFL games, and then hand everybody that comes there one of these cool masks. How much could the mask? They probably made in China. They probably cost Trump fifteen cents a mask. Uh, hand everybody a mask. Come out. Donald Trump comes out to speak. He goes, "Hey, everybody, I'm glad you got the masks on. That's why I handed them out. You know, he could he could." He could pivot that way, saying how he gave out everyone masks. You could pan the crowd and and show everybody social distance and everybody wearing a mask. It wouldn't be that hard to, for the optics, but we just seem to not. I don't know why do we care about it when it's on camera, but and then but he's not going to talk about it like that, and then we're not going to do that in the actual crowd. Well, Rick, that was the path not taken by President Trump. He could have taken a very different path when it came to his attitude towards masks. And one reason why this pandemic has been so politically damaging to him is that public opinion is just contrary to how President Trump acts and behaves when it comes to mask wearing. I mean, he's just out of step with public opinion on this issue, plain and simple. And when you're out of step, Uh, with public opinion, that's going to be politically damaging to you, especially in an election year. So the more that COVID-19 is in the news, the more that these cases continue to rise, and they are continuing to rise, Rick. We saw 75,000 cases nationwide just in one day yesterday. As these cases continue to rise, then that just focuses attention on the pandemic more, and that is not a good issue for President Trump compared to some other issues. So that puts him in a really tough spot with 11 days to go until this election mercifully comes to an end. We're speaking with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Tregoski, after the Scott's comment in the news, I want to get down, get into what I emailed you. Whatever time I email, I don't even remember when I emailed that to you. But before we get to that, and and it just kind of how it kind of has to do with uh, you know if Biden takes over as the presidency. But before we do that, the obviously there was a debate yesterday. Uh, I don't care if you maybe if you have an opinion on winner or loser, but you know for, from what I watched, and it was hard to watch because Seinfeld was on the other channel and there was a football game and no, but really I tried to watch and it was just like every time they started yelling at each other about Hunter Biden, Russia, China, I just got really it was kind of it's kind of like when I read a textbook in college and I just kind of zone out and I read a page and I I was like what did I just read. So it's like, what did I just hear those guys? They're just droning on about Hunter Biden and China, and, and I just don't pay attention. And I just don't think it's, it, it's not helping. It's another one of the debates where it was better, but it still didn't seem to help. Well, yeah, Rick. I mean, you can start by looking at this relative to the first debate, which was just an absolute dumpster fire of a debate. And that's at like the lowest bar ever for any subsequent <laughs> debates. And the second debate pretty easily surpassed that one because it was, as you know, Joe Hines said, I said it, it's the worst debate that either of us had ever witnessed. 
So, yeah. I mean, at least we didn't get a repeat of that because President Trump toned it down. There were fewer interruptions. There was actually the chance to hear the candidates talk in complete sentences, which was a welcome change from the first debate. But yeah, Rick, you know, I think that some of these attacks are not going to stick because, for example, the Hunter Biden story is not well understood by most people in the public. When you look at where this story is really penetrating, it's in these kind of conservative media outlets like Fox News and and talk radio and the New York Post and, and Breitbart and places like that. So the problem is, is that this Hunter Biden story is fantastic in terms of firing up President Trump's base because they think that Biden is a criminal and that Hunter Biden is involved in all this shady business and that the Biden family is a crime family, whatever. But to the average person, I did just wonder if that discussion of Hunter Biden just kind of went over their head. And they were kind of like watching that and wondering, what the heck is this all about? Because it just hasn't gotten much coverage outside of the conservative media sphere. Is it one of those deals where if you keep bringing it up, then at least maybe uh, other people will be like, what is this Hunter Biden? There's there we're still doing this and then they'll try to go find stories about it. Yeah, I think that's certainly the goal of the Trump campaign to get this rolling out in conservative media and then hope that it'll get sort of broader pickup in news sources that, you know, might be more for a general audience that might be more for kind of middle of the road people as opposed to hardcore conservatives. But as of now, there just isn't really a signal out there really isn't a sign out there that this hunter biden story is moving the needle much at all this election as i've said for a long time rick you know this election is simply about the pandemic and the idea that hunter biden could knock off the pandemic a once in a century pandemic as the big issue of this campaign is just a fantasy this election is going to be about the pandemic and hunter biden is just going to be a footnote in this whole ordeal i'm getting a text here from steve he says that's your problem you're not listening to hunter's story you're not listening i'm sorry there's no punctuation here you're not listening period hunter's story is valid and needs to be investigated it shows um possible corruption so well and that might be the case i honestly don't know because it hasn't been picked up beyond the conservative media bubble. So there's really no way that the Hunter Biden story would have much of an impact, like I said, beyond firing up President Trump's core supporters. And I mean, I do think that that will be an impact of the Hunter Biden story. I think it will motivate President Trump's core supporters and make them fired up about going going out and voting against Joe Biden. But does it reach beyond the conservative media bubble? I just have seen zero evidence that it will so far, Rick. Yeah. Uh, another text here. You both know it was tr- if it was Trump's kids who were paid millions by a foreign country, all you left-wing media people would be all over it, exclamation point. Also, why won't Biden answer the question if he will pack the courts, which he has? And, of course, the biased media doesn't bring anything up. Well, yeah, I mean, he has dodged the question of 
packing the courts by saying that he'll create like a commission, which is, and Rick, you know that when you want to dodge an issue, you just announce that you'll create a commission. The texter Robin does Voss. have a point there. Like that was a pretty obvious dodge by Biden. Say like, well, yeah, I'm not going to deal with packing the courts. I'm just going to kick it to this blue ribbon commission that'll have six months to look into it. I mean, the texter is right. He was clearly dodging the issue. You're not sticking to the agenda, Chagoski. Left-wing media. This is a left-wing media show. You don't talk about that stuff. You're being. You're supposed to be biased. You can't say that he's dodging the question. Also, aren't we confirming uh, the the Supreme Court justice Monday, the day before the the flipping election? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Well, that's exactly right, Rick. I mean, Amy Coney Barrett is on a clear path to be confirmed before this election. And that represents a massive win for the Republican Party in the sense that it'll reshape the court for many, many years to come. So this is a big development in advance of this election. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, Tregoski's favorite, Scott's Comet, coming up. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk at Tech Life. You want to get in here. Uh, Hunter is on the Hunter Market tomorrow. I don't know what Hunter calls his Mike's Market, Tom's, Tony's Treasures. What does Hunter call it? It is funny that Hunter's initials are Hunter B, Hunter Bumgart, but it's Biden, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden on uh, the market tomorrow morning. Uh, Dragoski, do you you got anything to sell that you want tomorrow morning? Oh, uh, you know, I I wasn't aware that Hunter hosted this. I, I mean, does he have anything that he's trying to unload tomorrow? Well, Hunter Biden does the show, so we don't lo- allow him to sell things during the show because that would be an, a conflict of interest to have him use this platform while he's an employee here. <laughs> uh, Can I get some shares of Burisma during the show? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, shares of selling his stock in Burisma. Um, all right, so did, were we done talking about the debate, the debate yesterday between Trump and, and uh, Joe Biden, not Hunter Biden, but... Um, I don't know. Some of the issues, when they actually did bring up issues, uh, what, what did you think uh, of that? They actually talked about climate change. They they talked about you know race in America a little bit uh, to an extent, and then eventually they would get derailed. But for a while, they would actually hit the issues a little bit. Yeah, Rick, I thought that it was actually a decent debate in the sense that the the lines between the candidates were drawn on some key issues. Like, I know that you've been wanting like the minimum wage to come up in these debates, and you know, federal minimum wage hasn't been changed in over 10 years. So I thought that that was a very reasonable question to ask. And you saw Joe Biden come out in favor of the $15 minimum wage while President Trump was uh, not committal to that, was, was not willing to commit to supporting that. And then health care, of course, where President Trump was accusing Joe Biden of pushing socialized medicine, but Joe Biden countering that he just wants to build incrementally on the Affordable Care Act and basically just add a public option to the existing law. And I mean, the reason that that matters is because there is a pending Supreme Court case, speaking of the Supreme Court, there's a pending Supreme Court case that could really derail the Affordable Care Act law and leave the next president, whoever that is, with 
a big mess on their hands, potentially, as far as a major health care law getting struck down and then figuring out, well, what do we do next? So I was really glad that health care came up because I think that that could be a huge issue based on the Supreme Court case that is pending and will be heard soon. The, my eyes roll almost they almost fall into my my spine. That's how far back they roll. When Donald Trump brings up that he has a health care plan and, and and that he's rolled it out already. It's just it's such a like, dude, you've been saying this for four more years that you got this health care plan or Republicans in general have been saying they've got this replacement for uh, the Affordable Care Act. But like if you if you had a plan and it was awesome, I think you'd you'd win the election in a landslide. Well, Rick, we're 10 years now after the Affordable Care Act was signed into law. And tellingly, President Trump has not released a detailed health care plan. He promises that he'll protect pre-existing conditions, but we haven't really seen a plan beyond that. And that was arguably one of his biggest failures as president in terms of kept failing to live up to one of his promises. Yeah, he did get rid of the individual mandate, but in terms of just repealing and replacing Obamacare, the Republicans famously failed to do that with John McCain casting the deciding vote in the Senate to kill the repeal effort. So yeah, you know, Rick, if Obamacare does get struck down, we have a really unpredictable future ahead of us because we just don't know what type of policy is going to be on the table should the law get struck down. Yeah, everybody should be on the Donald Trump plan. Like, why doesn't he just say that? We're going to get everybody on the plan that I have. We're going to have military helicopters fly us to the hospital, teams of doctors working on us, and all kinds of uh, cocktails. I love it when they call them cocktails. Uh, will be pumped into your system when you when you get COVID or any other disease. Well, yeah, you know, he was talking in the debate about the terrific care that he received at Walter Reed, and I think that's relevant because we are seeing hospitalizations on the rise. And that is really concerning, Rick, that, you know, we're seeing another spike in hospitalizations around the country. We're seeing another spike in cases around the country. And this thing could crest right at election day, which would not be good for Donald Trump at all. But it just seems like we have yet again uh, fallen into this trap of experiencing another big spike in hospitalizations and cases. So it just seems like deja vu all over again. Did the Democrats fail here, too, in, in, in terms of uh, rolling out the similar health care plan? We're in a pandemic. People are going to the hospital. I think 180 people were sent to the hospital today in Wisconsin alone. Uh, they could I feel like they that would win most of the votes over too. like just roll out some kind of addition to, hey, if we get, you know, control of everything, this is how health care is going to work. That's a very interesting point, Rick. And I think the policy discussions have not really been so much about like the health care implications of COVID-19 as they have been about, you know, the prospects of another stimulus bill. And at this point, I think it's fair to say that the stimulus is dead. It's been sort of kind of a little bit revived by Steve Mnuchin and his talks with Nancy Pelosi. But uh, 
you know, in terms of any legislative action before Election Day, I just I just don't see it, Rick. And, you know, whether it's related to health care, whether it's related to some kind of stimulus, I, I just don't see anything major happening in Congress, aside from, of course, the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, I'm saying like over the past months, this could been this could have been the talking point. Hey, this is we're trying to do this now. And also we'll try to do this next after the election. I mean, Trump promises the health care plan only if he's elected a lot of times. He's doing that with some other things, too, off the top, top of my head. I can't think exactly. But like, hey, we'll do this after I'm elected, like holding us hostage. Yeah, you know, Rick, I think that the thing, the thing with Joe Biden is that, you know, what, what, what occurred to me yesterday is that Donald Trump really wants to be running against Bernie Sanders because he wants to make the socialized medicine argument. He wants to make the government take over of your health care argument. Mm-hmm. But that is not really what Joe Biden is proposing. I mean, he's proposing something that is way more incremental and way more just uh, just uh, an addition on top of the Affordable Care Act rather than anything that fundamentally transforms the system. So I think that, you know, President Trump would much rather be contrasting his ideas with those of Bernie Sanders to show that, you know, you know, he really is defending against socialized medicine. But Biden went out of his way to say, hey, I beat Bernie Sanders. And one of the reasons I beat him was because I said that people should be able to keep their private health insurance because I was against Medicare for all. And so that kind of damaged President Trump's health care argument, I thought. It just didn't let him draw that contrast with his opponent that might really have advantaged him. Uh, another texter, Sean's texting in that, you know, the, the corporate tax cuts have allowed companies to raise their minimum wages, uh, not minimum wages, but to just simply raise their wages. And that didn't happen under Obama and, well, Biden as vice president, I guess. Well, yeah, you know, and, and, and that's kind of like a separate issue, right? I mean, like if you adjust the federal minimum wage versus if you put in policies that incentivize or lead companies to raise their wages. And I think what you saw with President Trump was this attitude that, well, states should have the their own choice about what they do with the minimum wage, that if they want to keep it at the federal level, they can. If they want to raise it, they can, whatever. But it has become a pretty mainstream position within the Democratic Party that 15 bucks an hour is where they should go in terms of the minimum wage. All right. We're speaking with UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. So I, this is what I emailed you before. It was kind of a just a, you know, I, I, I got a I got a thought. I wrote it down and I didn't vet it very well. Well, I didn't have to vet it, but I didn't, you know, edit it all that great. But if if, if following Donald Trump's presidency, if Joe Biden wins the elections, are the expectations for him so high or so low, I should say, that, that we, we wouldn't mind if Joe Biden just went and sat in the Oval Office and didn't do crap for four years and we just rested a little while. It's kind of like we need to be single for a little while before we invest in, a, in being outraged by the next president. Or our expectations through the roof, because Donald Trump, if he did nothing else, and it seems like he hasn't done a whole lot, he did help draw attention to the ways our country's messed up, right? Whether it's policy like the pandemic, climate change, health care, or precedent, right? I call him the unprecedented president because he's breaking all these supposed rules that aren't really rules. They're norms, uh, showing his taxes, uh, 
you know, maintaining his businesses, uh, hiding sub- suspect conversations and top secret servers, uh, doing that too as well. Um, but what do you think? Uh, how if Joe Biden wins, how does he does he transition and and he has to? Is the pressure really high or really low for him? I guess is the best way to say that. I think it'll be really high, Rick, because this pandemic isn't going anywhere. When the next president is sworn in next January, we may have a vaccine. But from what I'm hearing from all the medical experts, it does not seem like there will be wide distribution of any vaccine by the time this next president is inaugurated next January. So I think the pandemic will remain an enormous challenge throughout much of 2021. And that is just going to dominate the first six nine, 12 months of any Biden presidency. And it's going to hamper his ability to get other stuff done, because I just think the focus is going to be so much on this pandemic after he takes office. And I mean, it might be kind of like a return to normalcy in the sense that we might have kind of like a a boring president and, uh, you know, like a slower news cycle. And so I think in that sense, we'll see it change. But I I do think the stakes will be incredibly high because this pandemic is going to remain a huge issue, the issue going into 2021, whoever the president is. Yeah, we'll be we'll be all done with helicopter uh, press conferences right before he jumps on a helicopter. But yeah, you're right. The 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 idea that the pandemic has gotten so bad in the country and I, I would I, I'm it's the worst in the world that it's going to be really hard to dig out of this thing, maybe. And you know, it, it, we can always just point to Joe Biden now and say, we'll blame him, right? That's that's where conservative media will go? Well, that's what happens, Rick. You know, whoever is in office gets the blame, whether they deserve it or not. You know, they get the blame for a bad economy, the credit for a good economy, whether they deserve it or not. So it just seems like Americans like to blame or credit the president, regardless of if the president, whoever that person may be, yeah. regardless of if the president actually had anything to do with the conditions that they're like crediting or blaming the president for. Well, we blame the president if the president isn't part of my party. And then if it's not the president, because the president's a Republican. So as a Republican, I'll blame the governor. So I'm going to blame Tony Evers. And then if I'm a Democrat, I'm A, going to blame the president, and then B, going to blame the GOP-led legislature and leave Tony Evers out of it. So that's how that's going to <laughs> See, Rick, isn't partisanship wonderful? There's always a scapegoat. Yeah, we can blame everybody. God forbid we have uh, one house controlling things like we did uh, back in early 2016. Hey, Chagoski, thanks a lot for joining me. I'm going to let you uh, let you go and enjoy your weekend. Thanks so much, Rick. Talk soon. Bye. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll wrap up after this. I'm Wisdom. All right, just wrapping up the week of the Crosstalk PM. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to Dr. Anthony Chagoski for joining me again on a Friday to help break down a little bit, break down the debate yesterday a little bit. Uh, talked a little bit about the expectations that Joe Biden might have if he were to become president and what we'll know in a week or two weeks or <laughs> three weeks who knows who knows when we'll know but we'll know eventually and then who knows what will happen after that um but yeah i, I just feel i i, I kind of wonder where the expectations go but Trigoski's right we have a covid19 pandemic that's wreaking havoc although for some of you out there you think it's just going to disappear when 
November, what, 4th? It'll disappear. All right, thanks for listening, guys. We're out.